In nature, a wildfire is one of the most devastating natural forces. It burns hot and fast and leaves little behind but ash and char. Or so it seems. Very soon after the fire passes through the forest, life returns. Shrubs and weeds that clog the forest floor have burned away, leaving space for new trees, grasses, and flowers to emerge and flourish. Habitats are created, bringing new insects, birds, reptiles, and mammals. A cancer diagnosis can feel like a wildfire, our bodies becoming this new, fire-clarified landscape. For some, cancer changes utterly everything. For others, cancer brings greater clarity and purpose. And some of us are still searching for what life after a cancer diagnosis will look like. Welcome to The Burn. We are exploring stories of life and transformation following a breast cancer diagnosis. I'm April Stearns, the founder and editor of Wildfire Magazine and the host of this podcast. Welcome to The Burn, where we usually explore stories of life and transformation following a breast cancer diagnosis. However, we are doing something different today. I'm Monica Haro, production assistant for Wildfire Magazine and The Burn Podcast. Today, we are celebrating our 100th episode of The Burn, and I'm turning the tables and we'll be asking April questions today. Questions about The Burn, publishing Wildfire Magazine, and writing personal narrative memoir. And just sharing some background about April from my perspective and ask her some questions about herself. Who is this person behind Wildfire and The Burn? Let's get into it today with our usual host of the Burn Podcast, April Stearns, as guest. She is the founder and editor of Wildfire Magazine and facilitator for Wildfire Online Writing Workshops. Hi, April. Hey, Monica. So nice to be here with you today doing it this way. Yes, I love it. Um, I'm just going to get into introducing some more information about you for the listeners. April was diagnosed at 35 years old with stage three breast cancer that she found while breastfeeding her daughter. Four years later, while struggling to go back to normal and find other women in similar circumstances, April launched Wildfire Magazine. Now she enjoys not only publishing the stories of those too young for breast cancer, she also finds pleasure in helping others heal through learning to write and share their stories. April lives with her family on the coast of Central California. And a little bit about Wildfire. Wildfire Magazine and Writing Community is a multi-platform media company specifically designed with the young breast cancer survivor and fighter in mind. We provide a bi-monthly narrative magazine, a weekly podcast, and small group writing workshops. Our audience members are all diagnosed under the age of 50, a growing population decades younger than average breast cancer fighters with few age-appropriate resources available. Our belief is that experiencing the stories of others diagnosed young provides a much-needed community and support network for today's young breast cancer survivor. We go further than that, though, and help them learn to tell their own stories to the survivors coming up behind them. This has the dramatic effect of turning a traumatic cancer experience into an empowering one. Learn more at wildfirecommunity.org. 
Welcome to the Burn April. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. It's so fun to hear you uh, reading things that I generally say. So it's really nice. (laughs) It's so weird. (laughs) Yeah, it's so weird. You know, I listen to you every week doing the production of it. And it's so weird to hear it come out of my own mouth. (laughs) So I just want to share a little about me for the listeners and give them my cancer cred because... April is very intentional about working with people who have had a breast cancer diagnosis or are very adjacent to somebody who has had a breast cancer diagnosis. I mentioned that because this is important to April and she is very intentional about that as much as possible. And I think that's a beautiful thing. So I'm Monica, I'm behind the scenes doing production here in the Burn and Wildfire Magazine. And I've been with Wildfire almost three years now. I was diagnosed at 42 with stage 3C invasive lobular. Cancer found me when I was a stay-at-home mom with a soon-to-be five-year-old who's now almost 14, just having had two miscarriages in the year leading up to my diagnosis and a marriage at a low spot and coming to an end not long after my diagnosis. And that found me moving in with my family during chemo. There are definitely some stories there. And I, too, have shared some glimpses of that in the pages of Wildfire, which was a really good experience for me. I'm coming up on nine years out from diagnosis. And I, like April, decided to stay in cancer land with my work and through volunteering. So as chemo was wrapping up, I started radiation and I apprenticed to work as a professional tattoo artist specializing in realistic nipples. And I did that for a few years. And I've spent almost five years serving on the board of directors with my local in-person support group, Bay Area Young Survivors, doing new member intakes and coordinated our annual writing retreats. I also became the community guide for a breast cancer support app. And shortly after the pandemic hit in 2020, I started working for Wildfire as well. I do a lot of freelance article type writing from the patient advocacy lens and shared my breast cancer experience with an advocacy art exhibit for my community as well. And all these things involved taking in people's stories, holding space and bearing witness. And I love it. And I love when people share their truths. And I get to do that with wildfire in the burn, not just bearing witness, but being part of the practical day-to-day ins and outs of assisting April with the business of helping people be seen and heard with the magazine and the podcast. And that has been such a gift being able to do behind the scenes work that April helps make happen. I know people are getting measures of healing and and by reading or contributing to wildfire, they get that healing. And it feels immensely different to go to bed at night after finishing my work day, doing work that I'm passionate about. And that I know just makes my life so much sweeter being able to do that. I want to give the listeners some backstory and history. April and I met in person a few years ago. Would you say, was that about four or five years ago now? I think. Yeah. You know, it's so funny with pandemic time being in the middle of that, but I think so. Yeah. Yeah, It was Mm pre-pandemic. And um, we had been knowing each other through social media and the Bay Area Young Survivors. And we met in person somewhere along the way. And I knew I wanted to try to coordinate with her to host one of the writing retreats for Bay Area Young Survivors. 
It's one of their signature offerings to the community for many years. And she seemed like a perfect fit to facilitate that. And I wanted to coordinate a collab um, with the Bay Area Young Survivors and Wildfire for their own issue, spotlighting that community. And those things did come to pass later on and have been so amazing. And as I'm sitting here, I realized I have sort of seen parts of April and Wildfire in the burn forming, coming together. I had long believed in writing as healing for the cancer community. And another time I had the opportunity to coordinate having April attend and lead a writing exercise at a breast cancer healthline meetup in San Francisco that I was acting host for back in 2018, I think it was. And the little writing exercise was the most popular part of the event. It was. <laughs> It was pretty amazing to see April in action leading this, and I knew it would be powerful medicine for people. And afterwards, so many people told me that that little writing breakout of the meeting was so impactful to them. So correct me if I'm wrong, I believe, was that one of the first writing workshops you ever did, April? Or close no, to it? Like Good question. Yeah. You know, around that time, it might've been the same year. I was going to a few different conferences like Young Survival Coalition, Living Beyond Breast Cancer. And I was doing writing workshops as part of events like that. Same with the Healthline event I did with you. So I think that it was all kind of happening probably in a span of six months, but I was definitely oh, wow. just starting to get my feet under me with, with facilitating writing. You know, I had been going to a lot of writing workshops myself, but I, I had to get over a little imposter syndrome and decide if I could actually hold space like that for people. Um, but it's, I, I love it. And I remember yeah. that event really well that we did together. Yeah. Can you just dive in real quick, a little tiny bit more on imposter syndrome? What were those first workshops like in that little span of six months? Did you know that was something that you wanted to just keep rolling with or were you just taking them as little one-off things that came along at that point? You know, I think from the very, very beginning of Wildfire, I envisioned it being a writing community, but I, so my background is in English. Um, I was an English major with a minor in journalism. And so I had a lot of experience writing, but facilitating a writing workshop is a totally different thing. And I think I thought that I, I was going to receive that power from, <laughs> from elsewhere. You know, someone would come along and be like, we choose you to do these workshops or something like that. Sure. Um, but I felt really called to do it. And so I remember just deciding kind of like a lot of stuff in wildfire, like, well, let's, let's see if people want to gather and, and give this a shot and if we can do it. And it's funny because I would say that there's not a lot of, um, mystery behind how to hold a writing workshop, but I have also since learned from people that they have gone to a lot of different writing workshops and there is something a little different about a wildfire workshop. I think part of that is creating an intentional community where we have something in common, like a cancer diagnosis. And that kind of frees you up to be able to say what you want to say without worry that you're the only cancer person in the room or you're going right. to scare some people. And so 
I think that realizing that gave me the confidence I needed to start making those groups because I didn't see anyone else doing anything like that. And so that helped me get over the imposter syndrome versus if I was doing the same thing as maybe the person right next to me and they'd been doing it for 20 years, you know, that would have still felt hard for me to overcome. But making, you know, making roads in a space that didn't already have those existing, same with the magazine, just felt a lot better and gave me permission to say to people like, I've never done this before, but let's see what happens. And that that's been really really empowering for me to be able to just show up authentically like that and say, let's figure this out together. Yeah. And I, and I love that. And I think it is different and special just from the fact that it's a niche group of breast cancer survivors. There's um, an assumed um, vulnerability already happening, happening, knowing you're going to be in that space with those people. So fast forward a little bit. I am going to talk about the time I was seeing April turn a growth corner. And somewhere in that turn, she picked me up along for the ride to be a part of the wildfire team. And that was in April of 2020, literally just days before hardcore lockdown started. Both uh, April and I were traveling to LA to the Young Survivors Coalition Summit, and she was going to be doing her wildfire things there. I was going to be capturing things for Bezzy Breast Cancer's app, um, some social media things that weekend. And the day before the Young Survivors Coalition Summit started, April was being honored at the Flatty Ball with a Flat Visibility Award. And she had asked me to be her plus one date to the event, and I agreed. And it was going to be and was a totally fun night. So in route to driving to to LA, we found out YSC Summit had been canceled due to COVID. But April and I both decided to stay in town to attend the Flatty Ball and then just go home the next day since YSC was canceled. We didn't understand the hugeness of COVID at that very early stage at all. Um, so while we're there, April tells me since she's in town, she is going to put it out there on social media that she's hosting a pop-up writing workshop somewhere in LA since she's already there, as were many other YSC summit attendees. And one thing led to another, and a woman in Venice Beach named Katrina, hi Katrina, <laughs> offered up her home as a location to host this pop-up writing workshop. I thought that sounded cool, and I hopped in the car with April off to Venice Beach for this very spontaneous event she created on the fly. Um, several people who had travel traveled from literally all over the world to attend YSC Summit came. I think we had about 12 people. Does that sound right? 12, 15 people? Yeah, a, a packed little living room for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we all huddled up in Katrina's living room and April led us through some writing prompts and sharing of the writing with each other. And it was beautiful. Um, I observed the body language of these people shift into a place of comfort and safety and connection and being seen. It was a total vibe. And I think that was maybe workshop number two for you that I had witnessed anyways at this point. And later that night, April and I went out to eat. We were kind of celebrating her birthday with some drinks and we were talking breast cancer world and 
all this while spinning 30 stories high above downtown LA in a rotating restaurant <laughs> at the Westin Bonaventure. Um, and she starts talking about how she needs a little help here and there with the magazine. She's at a point where she needs to push and to grow. And I said, I think I have some space to help out with some work here and there. And even though I didn't really know what that would entail, I thought maybe it would be some shipping of magazines, maybe some little admin you know, stuff, shoot out some emails or something. And the next thing I know, April's hosting wildfire workshops on Zoom, having live reading events, and then all of a sudden, the burn is creative, and then a book anthology. So April, you've had an impressive growth since 2020, truly. And here we are, 100 episodes into the burn in two years, it's two years later, mm -hmm. and part of that growth, um, as well as the limited um, Igniting the Fire Within mini podcast. So this leads me up to my first question, April. How did you get here? How far back was the burning idea in your head? Where did the idea come from? And what was the why? Why a podcast? You already have the magazine, writing workshops, and occasional live events. Yeah, I love that question. And it's funny, like listening to you talk about all this, it sounds like I had a master plan this whole time, but <laughs> I really can't emphasize enough how it's it's all been this really amazing experiment that that I get to just make stuff as it occurs to me. Um, yeah, I didn't know I had a little inner entrepreneur just waiting to do this kind of stuff. Yeah. And having your help, Monica, as well as Emily and Angela has let me be so creative. But to answer your question, the podcast wasn't something I was necessarily thinking of doing. I've been a podcast fan for a really long time. And I I just didn't really picture, and probably this goes back to the imposter syndrome we were just talking about, but I really didn't picture that I would be on the creating a podcast side of things because I was so happily on the consumer side. But what was happening at that time was I had started doing these storytelling events. So what those were and continue to be are these offshoots of the magazine itself, where I wanted to somehow bring the stories to life because the magazine is gorgeous and really inviting. And I think people get lost in the pages, but it's still really different to hear a story told by the writer themselves. And so I wanted to make a space and, you know, it was in my favor that we all had figured out we had webcams at this point, but I wanted to make a space where we could gather no matter where we were and be in a Zoom room together and hear each other read stories. And I knew in the back of my mind that this would not only be powerful because of bringing that story to life, but there would be a lot of people in those Zooms who had never shared space before physically like that, although digitally, but physically with other people who had been diagnosed young. And that would be really transformative for them to just get to look around a room and see, see those little squares, those little people nodding along, crying along, cheering along. I knew that was important. And I also knew I wanted something a little different than the support groups that, you know, we, we all kind of no, even if we haven't participated in them, we know what that's like. I wanted always with Wildfire to go deeper than that. So I wanted to present a support that felt 
like storytelling at its base. And so that's what I started doing. And as part of that, as I got kind of got my feet beneath me as part of those storytelling events, I started doing this thing, um, kind of just off the cuff where I guess I started channeling my inner Terry gross. And so after (laughs) people would read their story, I would thank them and then ask them a few follow-up questions. And I started getting feedback from people that they really loved those like behind the scenes kind of discussions. You know, I would ask people for a little update or maybe, you know, pull out some piece of the story and ask for a bit more or just ask them about the craft of writing or or being vulnerable in that way. And so then I decided, like, how cool would it be to go back through all the archives and have these opportunities to have these conversations with all our writers? Because, Monica, you know this, but we have 40, over 40 issues in the archives Mm -hmm. now. I think it's Mm -hmm. 43, maybe at this point. And so that's a lot of stories and writers who are hanging out in our archives that, hey, I wanted to find a way to also bring them out so people could experience them. And so that's where the podcast came from ultimately was a way of bringing those stories back out of the archives and giving that juicy behind the scenes um, conversation that people seem to be enjoying from the storytelling events. And yeah, here we are a hundred episodes later. (laughs) Yes. And I love those juicy behind the scenes things. And there is something very different about witnessing the story in the podcast because You and I both live with these stories from submission time. We read them and then we read them again during production of the magazine. And then when um, we end up inviting someone to the burn, we read them again. And I actually verbally make a recording for you because I know listening to me read it helps you process um, your questions and things for the burn. And then I listen to that what came of that um in post-production and get to hear all the juicy things and it's just it it doesn't get old you know some of these stories live with me like five six times over and and it's just amazing and getting to the the questions with the writer is just just a beautiful thing so I'm glad I'm glad you did it (laughs) Mm, thank you for that yeah and I just want to to just piggyback a little bit more on what you just said, just to say this whole project, you know, from the magazine to the podcast, to the book, to the workshops, it's all hopefully inspiring people to write their own stories. And so we kind of also with the podcast wanted to break the wall that might exist between a reader and a writer in the magazine and just say, you know, these people who are writing their stories are not very different from you and me. Yes. Or, you know, our readers, I I wanted them to know that they, they're real people, you know, they're real, real fellow survivors and fighters who can share how they did it and hopefully inspire someone else to feel that, um, that power to put pen to paper. I, I think you do a good job of making it really clear, like you don't have to be a professional writer or a journalist to be in wildfire. You just have to be vulnerable to share your lived experience. So I yep. I love that. So I wanted to surprise you just a little bit. I reached out to a few guests from The Burn with some questions about what it was like to be a guest on the podcast, sharing and talking about their story. And I'm going to share two of those answers with you. And I'd love to get your reactions and thoughts to what they have, 
what they had to say. So Aisha Chowdhury, whose episode was about when cancer comes, she's a journalist and she becomes a story when she's used to putting the focus on others. And she said, it just felt right. I had not spoken publicly about my cancer journey and I felt a huge weight off my shoulder, which encouraged me to keep going and speaking about my experiences with the general public and the people who were surprised that there was such a podcast and recommended it to their own families, uh, own friends and family undergoing similar experiences. And then mm -hmm. Junie Boucher, I hope I got her last name right, um, <laughs> whose episode was about dating after cancer said, April is such a lovely host and makes it really easy to feel safe to express. She is fucking wonderful, and I never anticipated how many people would reach out to say how much they related to my story and how much they appreciated opening the discussion of dating after cancer. It has inspired multiple workshops and many interesting conversations. So um, that's amazing. You. What's your reaction uh, to that? It. Yeah. Well, I love, I love both of these comments so much and they're, they're both so different. Like I love what, what Aisha said about, you know, not having spoken publicly before, mm -hmm. um, you know, she, as a journalist really embodied this, this, um, I don't know, pillar of just journalism that you don't become the story and mm -hmm. you are constantly turning the lens outward. And then to have her breast cancer come along, she still continued to not want to be the story. And so I'm just so glad that she found through wildfire, this opportunity to experience that healing that, you know, she was giving to other people by telling their stories and mm -hmm. she could have that. So I love hearing that it really took a big weight off of her um, to do that. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, Junie, I love that quote too. Um, that was such a powerful story that Junie shared about dating after cancer. And I'm not surprised to hear a lot of people reached out and could connect <laughs> to it because I, I mean, especially with intimacy, I found that every time I get vulnerable and talk about intimacy in this community, tons of people say me too. And we just, mm -hmm. that's one of those topics where we need to hear that someone else has been there and is willing to talk about it. Um, and Junie did such an amazing job. So right yes. back at you, Junie. Yeah, <laughs> yes, she did. And I love how it just opened up. Um, she said multiple workshops and mm. for her and her world. So that was, that's yes. really awesome. So we're going to take a quick break so you can just grab some water, catch your breath mm. for a minute and have a quick testimonial and we'll get back to some more questions hi friends there is now a wildfire book in the world it is a big beautiful compilation of my favorite essays from wildfire magazine spanning all the way back to our first ever issue in 2016 up to the summer of 2022 this book took years to create and is literally the resource I wish I had had when I was diagnosed with breast cancer. This book is called Igniting the Fire Within, and it's made up of 50 essays that really dig into the experience of having breast cancer in our 20s, 30s, and 40s. Every stage of breast cancer is represented from DCIS to stage four, from all sorts of walks of life from all around the world. Our writers go deep and get vulnerable to heal their own experiences and to let others like you know that you're not alone. 
you will find yourself within these pages. Get Igniting the Fire Within, stories of healing, hope, and humor inside today's young breast cancer community on Amazon in paperback and for Kindle now. Curl up with it today. Hi, my name is Jenny Burkholder. I live in Elkins Park, Pennsylvania, right outside of Philadelphia. In 2012, I was diagnosed with stage 2B breast cancer. I was 40 years old. At 48, I was diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer. I recently attended a free wildfire pop-up writing workshop for the young metastatic community. The workshop offered me an opportunity to connect with other women with metastatic breast cancer, be inspired by the writing prompts, and hear other women's beautiful and heartfelt words. Thanks for the love, Jenny. Thanks, Jenny. (laughs) So we're back, April, and I have another question for you. And it's going to take me a minute to work into this question here. So hang with me. I asked some past guests what their favorite episodes were. And here's what they had to say. One said it was the There Can Be Joy episode with Megan Nick with Megan Nathanson, which is an episode about Megan's inner world during her breast cancer experiences. Another said, quote, it's impossible to choose a favorite episode of The Burn, not because they not because they're all so meaty, they are, or because each one gives me something new to consider. It does but because of the community I found in wildfire, so many voices on the burn are those of real true friends I've made specifically because of our involvement with April. And that feels so special. And another one said they loved our one year celebration of the burn where you and I recapped and discussed some favorite moments from the burn. They said it was really interesting and fun to just hear some of the stories that stood out during the years and our own little impressions on them from behind the scenes. So I loved all these comments of what particularly resonates for somebody. I myself love something about each episode and the ones centered on dating, sex and relationships and parenting and real and direct talk about mental health, because that's a big part of my breast cancer diagnosis. Those are the the episodes I usually really hone in on. However, for me, an unexpected favorite episode was Breast Cancer Babby, because hearing it read live with the conversation that ensued touched and captured me in a completely different way than reading just the story. And there was a lot of interesting conversation following the reading of her essay that really touched me because that guest was succinct and well-spoken in her conversation with you. I didn't exactly know where that episode was going to go in conversation after reading the essay. I think I'd read the essay probably three or four times at that point through the production schedule. And something I learned from the burn is the stories might be a good story, but not the one that is most resonating with you personally when you read it. But listening to it being read on the podcast with the conversation that ensues can be arresting, enlightening, and sometimes edifying. And what what has the whole experience been like for you sharing space with these stories in three ways from submission to print to an audio experience on the burn? What takeaways do you have from that? What have you learned? Mm, That's such a juicy question. (laughs) 
Yeah, I I was thinking back to that episode too, the breast cancer Babby. And that was the one where we talked about kind of using satire, um, mm-hmm. you know, creating creating a, a doll. What would a Barbie-like doll for a breast cancer community look like? And it was such a fun way of doing this thing that's called telling your story slant, which is using a different container to tell a common story. And I think that almost in every way, the story becomes told in a slant when we go from the print to the audio, you know, from submission all the way through all these various stages, like you're saying. And just like you, I I experience them in a different way every time I hear it too. It's so different, you know, just going from that raw Google Doc to the layout in the magazine. Like that's one Mm-hmm. step right um and there's something different when you see when you see a a spread before you a magazine spread where you have the pull quotes jumping off the page or you have you know whatever photography is illustrating that piece it just uh, it brings it to life in a slightly different way than the google doc can but then like we've been talking about when you hear either I hear you read it to to me for the burn production or I am then again hearing it from the writer there is always a different part that leaps out at me as being a little nugget or a little gem that I needed to hear that day and it's mostly just showing me that I am still very much a part of my own survivorship even though I'm Ooh. helping other people you know, tell their stories. And I'm always thinking about a broader audience for those stories. I'm still needing them myself. And that's at its core, what wildfire is about. It's a very selfish need, a cry from my heart to the world to say like, Mm -hmm. am am I going to be okay? You know, whatever, whatever this looks like, will I be okay? Will my family be okay? Will I learn how to find acceptance and grace within all of this. And when I hear people's stories, there's different layers that kind of um, coat my soul and help me in processing. And so, yeah, I I don't know if I lost the thread of your question, but it, it really is, you know, a very layered experience and each one is very different with um, hearing these stories. Yeah, I love how you said it coats your soul. That is my experience in the production mm-hmm. process too. There's always something that just kind of co- coats your soul. That's beautifully put. Thank, Thank you. you. Well, yeah. I and if it's okay, I just want to say one more thing there. You know, yeah. you and I are, you know, 10-ish years out from our diagnoses. And I think that if if we weren't getting something like that for ourselves personally, this would be really challenging work to keep showing up for. And I think that's why I wanted to make something that didn't just feel like uh, a support group in the sense that it was focused only on maybe the early diagnosis or early treatment days. I really wanted to create something where we got into like the how, you know, how are you living past that diagnosis day? And how are you experiencing the lessons that you're learning? And yeah, if we, if we had stayed on what feels like maybe a little bit more of a surface level, just the facts, you know, of, of diagnosis, um, I think 
well, you and I wouldn't be learning stuff about ourselves, you know, because we are 10-ish years out from our own diagnosis and we have both chosen to stay in cancer land. As much as we're giving, there has to be something that we're receiving back that is feeding us in our learning how to live post-diagnosis. And, you know, one of the things that I wanted to create with wildfire was a resource that felt deeper than like I was saying, a support group kind of vibe where maybe you're only talking about the very beginning of, of a process. You're still, you know, you're taking in all these facts that you're receiving from your doctors. It's a really disorienting time and support groups spring up around that because it's a brand new landscape, a brand new, you know, set of, um, characters, jargon, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. But it feels very, um, it's a lot like the cancer experience itself of, of fighting a fire, like right in that very, very beginning stage. And I really mm-hmm. wanted to create something with wildfire that goes deeper than that, that goes into the, you know, the, how are you living and what are the mm-hmm. lessons you're learning? And I think that's one of the reasons why I've been so fortunate to have you here and to have others on the on the team who feel fed by the work. It's because we are we need it. We need to know how how all these um people are making sense of this too. So definitely. Like yeah. Like you said it has to feed us somehow because it is it is a lot of taking in of kind of a vicarious trauma in a way. But yeah. um but there's always like there's always something to cope the soul out of these stories to go yeah. back to, to go back to what you said, um, for yeah. that, which I'm going to be remembering that quote and using it. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So we have, um, one more question here for you. And I wanted to talk to you about writing and a big part of writing is the process and getting to the actual writing and why, why it's important to to write about our lived experiences. And I recently watched a documentary about um, singer Sinead O'Connor, and she said something like, we hear artists say they are channeling something when we create. And when we are creating, we are channeling ourselves. Our subconscious is talking to us. And I love how she expressed that. And when we are writing our stories, becoming the architect and having agency of our narrative and tapping into our subconscious, things happen, dots connect, little breakthroughs happen. What in your experience have you found to be helpful to help people get in the process and get to the writing? And why is it important to channel from ourselves? I'm not really sure what I'm trying to ask here. I can't quite find the words, but I'd love to get your reaction. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. I feel like what you're asking is, you know, what is helpful for helping people connect to and bring out their stories. Um, and I love that too, about channeling yourself. This, this has been something that I have had to learn just through the process of doing this work with mm. people. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the things I've learned is that not everyone is as willing to be vulnerable as as myself or someone else like there's often a lot of fear around telling a person's story or 
worrying that they're going to re-experience a trauma if they start to write about it. You know, they think there's this instinctual need to get it out and to speak it and to share it, um, or maybe even just in a private, you know, space, a journal, but it can be really, really scary because these things we're writing about, whether they're cancer or other life experiences were really hard if they left a mark on you, you know, there's some reason that it's still banging around in your head. And so I've noticed that people need baby steps to, to go into it they need to experience Mm. writing or telling their story in a environment that, that holds them and doesn't, you know, question the validity of the story or raise a whole bunch of red flags for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. And I think that has a lot to do with choosing, you know, who your audience is and how you're going to tell it. And I know this because I have had experience of telling stories from my life to the wrong audience and not on purpose, (laughs) but, you know, it was just something I needed to get out. And then, you know, I remember this is largely around stories having to do with my childhood. I remember, you know, starting to tell those stories after a long time of not telling them. Um, and number one, being scared that I was going to hurt the people I loved by telling those stories. And mm. number two, that they would be afraid of me or or something like that. And so as I started to tell those stories, I noticed that it went a lot better when I picked a safe environment. You know, I picked someone maybe who could relate to some part of my story that gave us a jumping off point. Hmm. Or what I've done with wildfire is say, okay, just because you haven't necessarily had breast cancer, maybe someone that you love has had breast cancer, you can still appreciate these stories because we're going to go deeper Mm -hmm. and pull out those life lessons. And those life lessons are universal. You know, we're talking about you know, love, acceptance, grief, you know, all of these things that, that the human experience encompasses, whether it's cancer or not. And so as people start to tell those stories and experience that kind of empathy and connection, then they start to feel like they can be more vulnerable. And when you start to be vulnerable is when you really get that healing. I can, I can always tell when someone is like, kind of going through the motions of telling a story, but they're yes. only telling the facts, right? And you yes. and you were like itching for them to get a little deeper, but you can tell there's they're scared. And so it's it's such a pleasure of mine when when someone comes through a writing workshop and slowly over the weeks that we're together starts to tell stories that they are surprised they're telling. They didn't know they needed to tell those stories or they tell me they've never said that stuff out loud and and nothing happened you know they didn't go up in a poof of smoke they're still there and they're still like yes (laughs) they didn't go up in a poof of smoke and I just to circle back to that vulnerability and you had said earlier Mm -hmm. baby steps and that's really exactly what you offer the community you know maybe somebody starts with a pop-up writing workshop Mm -hmm. dips Mm -hmm. their toe in that And then maybe they're like, I need to explore that more. And they take the workshop. And then the next thing you know, they're taking more workshops and they're submitting stories and then they're a guest on the burn. It's just, it's just these little baby steps to open up and be vulnerable. So thank you for providing that space for the community. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's my pleasure. Um, you know, like I said earlier, I get something out of every single person's story. Um, 
in, in surprising ways for me too. Um, and then, um, I noticed that people get hooked on telling their stories too, which is, which is the real fun of the whole thing. That is, I love, I love seeing <laughs> the re, you know, people submit, um, yes. maybe a year later, a, another part of the story where I'm like, whoa, I didn't even know that was part of their, this is so different from the other story, you know? So right. I love that. Oh my gosh. Too. Yes. And I, I just have to say right there, that's because people have tons and tons of stories in them, but they tend to think they have this like one shot, like the breast yes. cancer story or the memoir. Yeah. But no, what's so much better is if someone takes like one moment, one scene mm -hmm. from their experience and tells that story. And then in that way, you've got hundreds of stories in you to tell. And it's it's yeah. fun to follow and see, okay, what's the next story going to be? What's the next lesson? Yeah, Instead and it of, takes, takes the pressure yeah. off the bigger story when you're like, I'm just going to focus on this one thing that happened right now. And you can write many, many chapters later, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. So I know we're a little pressed for time. I wish we weren't. But I had a few quick fire questions. Um that that I put together and you don't have to go too deep on them some of them are just fun ones um from some of our past guests that I asked to give me some questions um first one is how the hell does she manage family life and the podcast and writing courses and the whole nine yards <laughs> uh I need that person to tell me how how to manage it all because it is a big jungle juggling act um, yeah. yeah, well, I don't do it alone. I mean, I have fortunately the best help in the world and my team, you, Monica and Angela and Emily, who we've mentioned Ooh. a few times in here, you know, before I had your help, um, back in 2020, the wildfire was just the magazine and it was a lot of work to be yeah. publishing a magazine all by myself. Um, by then I'd been doing it for, four or five years. And, and that was all I had the bandwidth to do, um, was that publishing. So then having help come on has enabled me to continue to grow and I'm just getting better and better at delegating. You can speak to this. I was probably very challenging to work with in the beginning because I didn't know how to let go of this baby that I had nurtured, you know, from. I, I wouldn't say challenging at all. I think I, <laughs> I think I was very aware that you, you're figuring it out and I'm just trying to figure out where, you, you know, where you needed, where you needed me or, you know, like sure. Emily and Angela, same too. And it's been fun. It's been a lot of fun. I'm so actually. glad. Yeah. yeah. Well, the other thing I'll just say really fast, I know we're, we are pressed for time, but I've had a lot of, um, help, support, et cetera, from my family. You know, when I, was doing all the wrapping, shipping, packing before you joined me, it was a family affair. You know, we would set up everything on the dining room table and everyone was <laughs> pitching in. And same with the late nights that I work on the magazine or the weekends that I do writing workshops, like they know what I'm up to and they are so happy for me that I can do this work. And so I couldn't, I couldn't possibly have done it without family support. Yeah. It's a family affair on my end. My, my son knows when it's shipping time and um, <laughs> he's my strong arm that carries <laughs> those packages to the post office and stuff. So that's Love really it. cute. Um, one question I did want to ask you, I know we're super pressed for time here. I'll just give you one more question. 
and and then we'll close out with with a writing prompt. But real quickly, how has your past work as a doula influenced your work with the burn? Oh, that is a question I've never heard before. Um, okay, so a doula is a labor and delivery. Uh, support person who goes to the hospital or the home, wherever someone is having a baby and provides physical, mental, emotional support. So not a midwife or a doctor, but someone who's like pressing on someone's, you know, hip flexors to open their hips or rubbing their back or, you know, mm-hmm. calming a, a partner who's nervous. And I think what I learned through all of that is just the art of holding space And just being present for someone going through what might be a very um, empowering time, but also might be a very scary time, a very um, traumatic time, potentially, hopefully ecstatic in the end, but not necessarily, you know, we don't really know what outcomes will be in a birth situation. And that's very similar to being in cancer land, you know, like we don't have any guarantees here and things change all the time. And I think, um, both on the burn and in the magazine, I just have learned through being present at, at a birth. Um, and I've also been present at deaths that just, there's nothing I really need to do except bear witness. And Mm -hmm. so I'm always coming back to that. And that's what I always am trying to do. Um, here is just hold, hold space for storytelling. Um, and, and the empathy that comes from that. Yeah. That's, that's a very powerful thing to do for sure. So we're going to close out with a writing prompt here in a minute, but I do have to ask people out there to may not know this about you, but I know that you are a super crime junkie, like true crime junkie, favorite crime junkie podcast of late. You can just answer one. Oh my God. I'm loving scam fluencers. So <laughs> if you haven't heard scam fluencers yet, that's, I would say like, I really love true crime, but like scams are my jam. Scam is your you jam. Know, <laughs> scam is my jam. Like I love, I love just hearing these like ridiculously smart people putting so much effort into scamming when they legit could have been like amazing at a real job. Yes. I don't know. It's they so, it's so fascinating else with that energy yeah. for sure. Well, th- thanks for yeah. sharing that. So yeah, today's guest was April editor and founder of wildfire magazine in the burn. April, where can people find out more about you and wildfire on social media? Yeah, I love that. So I don't usually give this, but I'll give my personal um, Instagram. I mean, it's not a secret. I just usually (laughs) am (laughs) touting wildfire. But if anyone wants to follow along with me personally, my my Instagram is I heart my life with underscores between each word. So I heart my life. And then of course, um, wildfire is wildfire underscore BC underscore magazine on Instagram, wildfire community on Facebook and real wildfire on Twitter. Great. That'll all be in the show notes. So thank you so much, April. It's, this has been so much fun for me to turn the tables and ask you some questions. You have been listening to The Burn. The Burn is a production of Wildfire Magazine, where we share breast cancer stories from young women like you've never read or heard before. We also strive to inspire you to write your story like you've never written it before. 
Stay till the end for a writing prompt inspired by today's episode. Our producer is Bill Smith of Shoe Production, and I'm Monica Haro, your production assistant. Want more on the life-changing transformation to be had from telling your breast cancer stories? Visit wildfirecommunity.org to find our rich 40-plus issues in the Wildfire Archives and to take a writing workshop with April. There is no place on the planet like a wildfire writing workshop, and I want you to experience it for yourself. Discover how to write your way back to yourself, write your way to reclaiming your body and your story. Don't forget to subscribe to The Burn and listen to it wherever you go. If you like what you hear, tell your best friend, tell your mom, tell your oncologist, I mean, really tell everyone you know. Or head into your podcast app and leave us a starred review to help others find their way to writing the stories that need to be told. We will be forever grateful. Finally, last but not least, here's today's writing prompt. Set your timer for eight minutes and write without stopping or editing. Honestly, keep your hand moving, your fingers tapping. There's magic in leaning into the time. April, what has been a writing prompt you find particularly evocative that really gets people warmed up to the stories coming out in your writing workshops again and again? Mm, I love this. So people really, really love this prompt that I I do off and on, which is to write to a body part. So it's like, you know, dear boobs, dear legs, dear neck, like just to isolate one body part and write a letter to that body part about what you want to, to say to it. It could be a letter of... Um, anger, you know, ac- accusation, maybe if it's a cancer story, but it might also be appreciation or a story of apology, you know, if something has oh. gone kind of overlooked. But I will tell you, this is a two-parter because the real magic happens when you slow down and after you write that first letter, you close your eyes and you see what the response might be. So if that body part were to write back to you, what would it say to you and that's where I think people um I mean it's giving me goosebumps just talking about it because people really receive these responses back that they weren't expecting and it especially when you lean into that time and you keep writing and you keep writing you get to this place of like holy moly I didn't know that I needed to hear that and that there was stuff here that needed to be released so yeah. So that it's a is a great one. Right. I love that. I'm feeling inspired to write back to my body now. Thank you. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. So eight minutes, write without stopping, see what needs to come out and where it will take you. Do you find you write best with a good prompt? There are more prompt free freebies available. So head over to wildfirecommunity.org, the burn to get yours. Happy writing. Thanks for listening. Until next time. Take care.